0: we want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hi everyone, welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. Today it is just me and Jeff and Savannah, our intern, of course. Uh, Meg is off uh, being a mentor in South Africa.
1: We've been getting a lot of exciting photos from Meg as she is uh, living her best life over there, but we miss you, Meg. We'll can't wait to have you back. In the meantime, we are very excited because we're joined by a uh, nickel-winning partnership, Alicia Brophy and Scott Miles to chat about uh, their experience with writers groups and accountability in terms of pages and writing.
0: So in addition to winning the 2014 Nickel Fellowship, congratulations for their animated comedy, The United States So Fucking Awesome. Please be aware, this is going to be a very sweary show. <laughs> Scott and Alicia have written for Netflix's Inside Job and Cartoon Network's Lego Ninjago. Scott
1: and Alicia are passionate about high-accountability writers' groups. Their own group is highly exclusive, systemized, and regimented, and has yielded incredible results, not only for them, but for their entire group. But before we jump into our interview, we're going to talk about our weeks, or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week?
0: Uh, My week was um, busy, lots of little things to take care of, because tomorrow I get on a plane and I fly to Italy, where I'm going to be a mentor for three weeks at a writing retreat in Tuscany, which sounds very fancy, except for I've never been gone from my family for this long. And I am very nervous. I know everyone will be alive when I come back. um, But it's, you know, everything this week has been sort of shot through with that. Oh, my God, I have to remember to bring a European adapter, right? And then I like drop what I'm doing. And I have to go write that down or I'll, I'll forget. So everything I feel a little. Gut-brained. That's, uh, that's what's happening. Um, uh, but yeah, I've been working on pitches and reading scripts and doing all the things that I do and writing. I've actually been writing this week, not just writing pitches. So I'm very, that always makes me feel um, centered and grounded. I was actually writing when I got the news of the past that I had last week. So it was actually like, okay. And then I went back to my writing. Like I feel like if I hadn't been writing during that call, I would have been sent into a tailspin, but because I was like, "Oh no, I'm doing something," <laughs> I'm like, "Telling, I can, I have, I have a superpower, and it's this," so it felt less out of control. Um, yeah. So I don't know what was the question. How was my <laughs> week? I have no idea. What day is it? Um, yeah. So uh, Scott, how was your week?
2: Uh, our week was good. We we turned in a our first draft to a producer last week on a feature that we've been working on. And it was kind of this, you know, experience where you're kind of waiting to get the notes. And then the call got pushed today and you're like, oh, is that good? Is that bad? And you're of course reading all these things into it. Uh, But we had the call yesterday and the producer loved it. Uh, Had some notes, uh, but you know, all all fun stuff and places we could take it to the next level.
3: It was actually a really, um lovely but odd surreal experience for us with this one um we were hired to write this uh feature it's very like 80s nostalgia and it's based on a bunch of anecdotes from this guy's childhood and we were very upfront from the beginning like we'll include those anecdotes but we're going to fictionalize a lot we're going to go where the story needs to go and so it was so scary to give him because he's going to be reading stuff that you know His family is in there and we're making up family dynamics. We're making up characters. We're making up all these story beats. And so it was extra nerve wracking than normally turning a script into a producer. And Scott and I kept saying when we were writing it, at some point, the script started deciding for itself what it was going to be. And we'd never had that happen before. We're always the ones in control. And with this one, the script kept pausing and being like, no, 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 no. It's going to be this. And it kind of felt like the Ouija board of scripts. And so we turned it in and we warned him. we said, Hey, there's a lot of surprises in here and surprises for us. We did not know some of the directions this was going to go. And he came back and his overall reaction was basically, like, how did you know? And it was the weirdest thing down to specific details. Like We have um, the young boy, the, the father's really letting him down in life. And the father like gifts him an expensive watch and he finds out later it's a fake. And he's like, how did you know? In real life, his father had a real estate venture go sideways, didn't want to tell the family and gifted the son an expensive watch that he later found out was fake. All these little moments that we thought was fiction. And it's like the script knew. I don't think it's going to happen again for us, but it was You don't know.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You like (laughs) tapped into something. I mean, that's that's so much of what we talk about on the show. And it's like you figured out the truth, right? You connected with him and you were telling his truth, even though you were fictionalizing it and you know, creating details like, yeah, it sounds like a total Ouija board script. I think that's amazing. It's super inspiring. And you know, we I that's how I write. I I mean not I'm not magic, but I just sort of let the the story come um i haven't had a moment like that yet and i am super excited now that i know it's possible but um i mean it's the truth you guys found it like the literal and bigger capital t truth that's so cool yeah. that's so cool congratulations i love Can that I ask, Jeff, how was your week
1: uh real oh. quick before we jump into mine um in terms of did you guys feel any like push and pull between like the cards that you had created and like the outline you had discussed and like the fact, can you talk about like how you use like your artist instincts to like decide to chase the script rather than kind of chase what you felt like was right?
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure there was, you know, like the big act, actually the back half of act two of this feature, we just kept beating our head against the wall, nothing felt right. It, on the outline, it kind of worked. And we kept telling ourselves that we'll find it in pages and we weren't finding it in the pages. And so finally, we just took that step back and said, maybe there's a reason it's not working. Maybe we need to kind of just reconceptualize all of this rather than spend another week, you know, just talking in circles about why it's not working. And we've done that before at a scene level, but never at a giant structural level to just throw out stuff that at the outline, it did technically work, but I think both of us deep down somewhere knew that it it wasn't the right path.
1: That's great. It's really wise. I think it's like, that can feel like such a scary decision, but so often it's the right one. Um, So it's nice to hear that like kind of avoiding that fear and just trusting kind of the story gods was really rewarding for you all. So thanks for sharing. Um, In terms of my week, I am, I'm in New York this week. I'm like coming off the heels of a film festival and coincidentally, my wife is here for work. So I just decided to stay. And, um, New York is such a great city to be writing in. It's funny. I um, live in LA and I think most of our listeners live in LA, but I'm sure we have some New York listeners and it can be so valuable just to like change your location in terms of feeling inspired. And I don't know, it's like so cliche, but I feel like the protagonist of like like a mid 2010s HBO premium cable dramedy. And I'm like walking around with my leather satchel and I just kind of like feel more like a writer in New York. And um, I'm actually revisiting a feature that I had written in 2016 that got me a couple of meetings. Um, But I've just, nothing's ever really happened with it, but a producer is recently interested in the idea. So I'm revisiting it. And it's really heartening because I can tell I'm a better writer now that I'm back in it. And um, you know, it's a script I'm proud of, but there's a lot that feels a little broken to me. Um, And I guess it's just that thing where like six years of working and having great mentors like Megan Lorien and the guests that have come on our show have really intuited some things inside of me that feel valuable um so it's been both a little frustrating to feel like the script is more broken than I thought it was but also kind of heartening to feel like I'm quicker to find solutions and um just a lot of my scenes were just so long like that whole get in or get in later get out earlier like philosophy like Pretty much every scene needed that in this. Um, So I'm cutting pages, which is great. And it's just cooking more. Um, So I'm gonna keep working on that. And um, I don't know, I may need to page one rewrite it, which sucks, but that's part of it. And that's what we do. So that's how my week is going.
0: What does your main character want? That's their problem. How are they gonna solve it and make sure it's in every single scene?
1: (laughs) There it is. It's so easy, right, Lorian?
0: So easy, it's a formula, right? And then yeah. you know that, and then you're like, I can write anything I want. Yeah. That's right. Um, that's before exactly we right. Get well. That's great, Jeff, that you're figuring that. Out. I think when we're not as emotionally connected to something we've written and we put it away for enough time, we can come back and be like, Oh, there are parts here that work, and there are parts here that don't, and it doesn't feel personal like Definitely. that. You're a failure or something for not knowing that. Definitely. And um, before we start talking about writers' groups, which is I know what we're here for. I'm super interested in hearing a little bit about your process as partners. So I've worked with um, partners on some projects, like Meg and I have uh, written projects, sold them, you know, written the pilot together. I'm working on another project with a partner, but we're not like ampersand partners. We're and, right, which is a different uh, setup. So um, I'm curious, like when you guys were talking about Act Two or the back half of the script, you know, to be an Act Three, like it doesn't work. What is that process like for you? Um, like in terms of when you guys are not on the same page or how do you like, and then sticking in it, like, can you talk a little bit about how you guys resolve conflicts or solve problems in your script?
3: I I've talked to a lot of other writers groups that have different systems than us. Like they'll be like, well, this, I'm the character person and they're the, uh, structure person or I was the one that originated the idea, so I'm kind of the point person um, and any idea they come up with, they're the po- I've heard all these other versions of doing it. Scott, and I don't do any of that. Um, we have been a writing team for now uh, over a decade and um, there's no who came up with what idea and there's no who originated the idea. Like once the idea is brought into the two of us, it is both of ours equally forever. Um, and anytime one of us bumps on something, it doesn't stay. Now, that doesn't mean immediately that it gets cut and changed. The person can maybe explain what they were going for. And it's like, oh, I didn't see it that way. Let's revise something around it so that it reads that way for me also. So it's not an immediate um, oh, it bumps for you, it's gone. It's it it just has a conversation around it, but if We are not able to solve that and someone still bumps on something, then we have to find something else. And that way, every script that ever leaves the gates and goes out into the world, both of us equally can stand behind every single word of it. There's no little gnawing voice in the back of your head that's like, oh, man, that one didn't go. It got a pass. Well, if Scott had just listened to me about that, you know, midpoint or whatever, there's none of that. We truly equally believe in it by the time it goes out. And I think that that works so well for us because not only does it give us both that like feeling of ownership and confidence in what leaves the gates, but also the fact that you usually find something better. You bump on something and then when you talk about it and you talk about it, you find that option C and that's usually better than whatever either of you had come up with on your own to begin with anyway. Um, So, so that's kind of our underlying philosophy that has worked for us for all this time. That's great. I I really like that Um,
0: because it's personal, right? There's so much, and you do have to believe in what you send out the door because people are always going to ask you whose idea was this and who wrote this part and who came up with this and this line of dialogue is so great. Who wrote that? There's always this interest in credit.
2: Yeah, and I, I think, imagine
0: you guys come up with that as writing partners.
2: Yeah, for us, it somehow, and this is especially right in the comedy world, there's not a lot of ego uh, in our, our partnership to the point. And I think the, the actual secret key is we both think the other person is the more talented. And so we're like, oh, please don't leave me ever. And so, but I think so many times that we read a script, maybe three months down the road, we're gonna do a polish or whatever, We don't remember who wrote what joke, which is, and so like, I always give her credit for jokes. She gives me credit for jokes and we're not really sure who did what. So it really does become like this perfect melding of both of our brains.
3: I remember and it's Scott and I love that he doesn't remember because then I can still take credit. (laughs) Um, So
0: can you guys talk a little bit about how you broke into the business? Like how did you arrive in Hollywood? Assuming anyone actually arrives in Hollywood, yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. We met in Austin, Texas in grad school. Uh, we were in a small little program as the MFA program. There were seven of us and we were just fans of each other's work. Uh, and then after grad school, I had an idea for a comedy feature, but it just, it wasn't clicking. And I felt it definitely needed a, um, another perspective. Uh, and I felt like, Alicia was the right person uh, for that, it was a rom-com. And so I was like, well, you know, if, uh, I came to her with this idea and said, hey, do you think you'd be interested in collaborating? And then she's like, funny story, I've been writing almost the exact same premise on my own. Here's what I've been working on. And then it just felt like, oh, this is this is perfect. And so we worked on that script together. It quarterfinaled uh, quarterfinaled at the, the Nickel Fellowship, uh, which got us our manager. So then we felt like, oh, this is definitely a, a partnership worth exploring.
0: That's great. That's great. I love that story. I mean, so much of what you guys are talking about is this sense of synchronicity, right? The connecting yeah. to each other in that way, even writing that script for that producer. It's really powerful. And that you had the... Um, curiosity and the generosity to be open to it sometimes we remember opportunities like what you're talking about like oh i but i was so lost in my own ego or stress or whatever that i didn't actually take advantage of that i think it's a good lesson for all of us
1: y'all mentioned that you got repped before you like officially won the nickel fellowship like you got your rep from a quarterfinal placement and i think some of our listeners may have the um maybe misunderstanding that getting repped means like you all of a sudden have your Oscar. Um, so I think it's pretty interesting that you guys found rep and then still worked your ass off to um, place as a fellow in the nickel competition. Oh, for I, sure. Yeah. I would just love like to hear you kind of speak to several, that. Yeah, yeah. We
2: still had day jobs for several years after that, as we were just trying to figure out what was next. And then when we got the idea for what eventually did win the nickel, like we still, yeah, that still took a while to, to kind of work and write and, Um, Yeah, it wasn't until that breakthrough that we were able to kind of quit our day jobs and and make writing our full-time thing.
3: And to clarify, because we were working, we both had our full-time jobs and we'd write two hours together every night, five days a week. Uh, So it took a very long time to write USFA. um, But even after we won the nickel, all that did was open doors for a couple months. Now, behind the scenes, having won the nickel is really magical in other ways. You be, you're brought into the nickel family and they have meetups and you find mentors through it and friendships. And we've gotten jobs from other uh, nickel winners in the past. So there's all that loveliness. But as far as just the front facing business side of it, winning the nickel means that you are hot for a second and people are willing to read what you have or hear what your next idea is, but it doesn't guarantee you work. It doesn't guarantee you anything. And so we had seen that play out um, with friends. And so we realized we just had this finite window. And so Scott moved here and we, for like six months, took what, 50 meetings, um, pitched three TV shows, and won an open writing assignment on a feature, which was our first professional gig uh, in that time, because we knew that the door was gonna close And that was our, that was our shot. Um, So it really was not like, oh, we've made it or, oh, we have reps or they're going to find us jobs. It was the opposite. It was like, oh, okay, finally, someone will listen for a split second. Let's just scream (laughs) the top of our lungs (laughs) um, while, while we've got their ear. Yeah, that's how you do it. I mean, that's,
0: that's how you do it. And your rep helps you navigate it. Can set up the meetings, can legitimize it a little bit, but it's all you. It's all you, and it's hard work, and you're in it. <laughs> Here to say, I'm still in the same, you know, um, same situation. Okay, so let's talk writers groups. So you have a writers group. Um, tell us about it. Like, what's it called? Why you
3: guys are successful? What's your uh, philosophy? Um, sure. Uh, so. Our writers group has existed, I want to say, about 12 years. I've been in it for about 10. Scott, you've been in it for eight or nine, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So basically, it started as a Craigslist ad. It was just a guy with a dream of having a writers group put out a Craigslist ad, bunch of weirdos answered, and those weirdos got together and um, started meeting uh, weekly and And it formed and it existed for about two years, Um, literally just a a bunch of guys that had no career, nothing. They were just want, they just wanted to start out. And um, one of those guys is uh, Nick Scown. And I met him uh, 10 years ago at an AFF party and we had stayed in touch. And when I moved to LA, someone had dropped out of that writer's group. And he invited me to apply. They read a couple different samples of different people. I got picked and I was in the writer's group for probably like a year or two before Scott and I had fully solidified. Um, And so he got grandfathered in that way. Uh, And that writer's group grew up together. So no one had anything going for them. And then over the years you know someone gets an assistant job, someone you know gets their first open writing assignment, et cetera, et cetera. And so we've grown up together. So in the beginning, it was just how do we make your story the best it can be? And now it has turned over a decade into how we make the story the best it can be. And also let's strategize the best move for your career next. And also we're friends, let's go camping. Um, so it's really grown, grown from a Craigslist ad. I think that's you? so
0: cool. So Often I get asked, like, how do I break into the business? It's like, or how do you network? I'm like, I don't know. I make friends. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, I think that's what you guys, you know, make friends, find people you like to hang out with that you can trust and that you can, what you talked about, grow up together who are in, you know, sort of a little ahead of you, a little behind you, you know, career wise, not actual
3: ahead or behind, but that it's make friends. Um, I actually really think what it that, is. I think that's a key to a writer's group because I think one of the biggest mistakes people make when they go to try and put together a writer's group is oh, it's twofold. But first, they think that they have to find the most successful writers they can get their hands on. And I'm always like, no, 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 that's the opposite of what you want. One, if they're successful writers, they probably already are in a writer's group. They already have their system in place of how they get feedback. They don't need you. And two, you don't want them anyway, uh, because that's not um, what you want to do is find people that are at your level career wise, um, so that you all have like the same commitment and bandwidth and grow up together. And you don't have to worry about them being um, so successful because that's not what connects to the best notes you're going to get. Um, Ira Glass has a really great quote about that gap between um having good taste, uh, and being able to recognize like what works and what doesn't long before you ever are able to apply it to the page yourself. So I think a lot of people also like they'll read someone's stuff and they're like, oh, they're just, they're not a strong enough writer. I want a better writer in my group. It's like, just because they're not doing it for themselves doesn't mean that they can't articulate, um, what works and what doesn't in your scripts. And you see that a lot, like I used to teach screenwriting at the university level, and you see it so much with the students. They can't yet do it on the page, but they can articulate for their cohort what works and what doesn't and why. Um, so you that's what you're really looking for. And also people get really hung up on like finding people that write in the same genre as them. Uh, and notes are across the board. If they're not genre specific. like. Nick that I mentioned, he writes a lot of horror and I'm always like, Nick, I'm not going to watch your movie when it comes out because I'm a baby. That's too scary. But I can read it and I can give you notes even though I don't write horror and that's just not my thing. Um, So I think that um, people really need to, when they're putting together the writer's group, be more open-minded with that, with who they bring in.
2: And I also want to add there was, um, we eventually had an actress join who was also a writer and having that perspective of someone who knows how to act. Some of the best notes we ever got were, well, the actor is not going to be able to to give that line properly. How about you come at it this way? Or just coming at it more from an actor's point of view helped us become so much better writers. Another guy in the group is an editor. So like, he'll tell us, all right, you can cut that, you can cut that, you don't need that whole scene. It's like, no, of course, now I see that. But your editor brain showed us that and that's made us better writers too.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, so much of what you're talking about is generosity, right, like being generous with your notes, listening to people giving you notes, right? It's like, a, you know, curiosity and generosity. Um, how, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, they read your work. So, what is the process of uh, getting into this writing group? And how is your group different or the same as other groups around LA that you're aware of?
3: Um, well, now we say that uh, the the walls are up. Um, it is impossible to get into a writer's group. So, don't tweet me. I'm going <laughs> to get joined. Uh, basically, it, the lineup changed a little bit in the early years. Um, and it is really solidified into four entities, six people. So Scott and I are a writing team. So we're one entity and Max and his wife, Jen, the actress slash writer, um, they are another entity. So six people, four entities. And that works out really perfect for us because it means that two entities are up each week. We meet weekly. Um, unless someone is turning in a full feature or a full hour long pilot, we'll give them the entire night. Um, If you have less than that, then you're missing out on notes. You're just not getting enough perspectives. And if you have more than that, um, then notes will start getting repetitive and it's really hard to schedule and it's like herding cats. So we found really like four to five people or four to five entities is a real sweet spot. Um, cause so we definitely think people should s- stay in that area. Uh, and the thing with our group and the reason why people have tried to join, um, is because in, I want to say 2012, one of the guys in our group won the nickel with a script that went through our writers group, went through the process. We have a whole process starting with the love line all the way through. We can talk about, and, uh, he won. And it was amazing. I actually went as like his friend date, got to see it all play out. And it was just mind boggling because for people that don't know, the nickel is out of six or seven or 8,000 scripts depending on the year. And they pick four to five winners. Um, so it was a real coup for our writers group. And we were all so excited for him. And then in 2014, Scott and I turn around and win the nickel with a script that went through the writers group process. And it was like, this is crazy. Uh, and then in, I want to say 2016, 2015, 2016, Max and Jen didn't win. They were though top 10, again, out of six, seven or 8,000 scripts with a script that went through our writer's script. And so we're like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. And then a year or two later, Max and Jen did win with a different script that went through our writer's group. So at this wow. point, at this point, it's like, okay, people are going to start thinking that the nickel is rigged. Because truly, what are the odds that we have now three of the entities are nickel winners when every year it is six, seven, eight thousand scripts you're competing with. Um, so it's not rigged. It's just, so it just says something about our process. Um, and we actually think it's so unfair that Nick doesn't have his nickel yet. He will, he will, we're all rolling up our sleeves and we're determined to get him there. Um, and we always say that the nickel should give him an honorary nickel because there's no one else on this planet that has had more impact on more nickel scripts than this one guy. And clearly he gives the best notes. He gets our scripts there and we just haven't been able to like get it together enough to give that back to him yet. Um, but he he is like honorarily part of that family, too.
1: He's kind of like the Amy Adams of your group where it's like, you know, she's been up for the Oscar 12 times. And like we all know she's one of the best in the biz. Like she hasn't won that Oscar yet, but like everyone kind of knows like her yeah. time is coming. Yeah. So, uh Yeah.
3: And so at this point, we really, we've got our perfect numbers. We've got our perfect little soup of, um, like he said, ad, editor, actress, writers. Um, and so we've really like closed up shop uh, and, and, and won't let anyone else in. And now we say the only way in is um, you're gonna have to marry one of us because that's how Jen got in. Um, and so your only options are Cesar's single and I'm single. So there's, there's two spots left.
0: Is this your singles ad right here? Yeah. Like your, hi, would you like to be a part of my writer's group?
1: Yeah, this might've been a mistake, Leisha. Prepare for your DMs to just blow up after, this, after this episode goes up.
3: How committed are you to your writing?
1: Yeah, there you go.
3: So what
0: is the process that you go through to write a yeah. script that goes through? Yeah.
2: Sure. So we kind of start at the logline level. We usually bring in loglines, a whole list of them. We do like a little online doodle poll so that people can vote for their, for their best ones. That's our favorite night, is when we get to do the little online poll. And then you know, there's the dramatic you know, reveal of, of who, which log lines got the most votes. And we talk them all through. And it's partly to make sure one, that there's an idea there. But two, this often happens, you get attached to an idea and then someone's like, oh, I actually read a script very similar to that, that I, you know was on the blacklist, maybe you missed that. It's like, I did miss that. So one, there's like the brain trust of what's already out there. But two, people get super excited about an idea that maybe that was maybe your third or fourth choice on the list, but they get super excited. Everyone starts brainstorming ideas and that quickly becomes your favorite on the list. So we, we bring in log lines and then the next time we bring it in, it's usually like a one pager, one or two pages of just brief sketches of characters, you know, thumbnail of an outline and people kind of give their thoughts and then next we bring in a full outline uh, whether it's tv pilot or feature we bring in outlines we typically say don't go to pages until the whole group has signed off on it sometimes people go rogue and it works beautifully and they turn in the most beautiful first draft and then sometimes like, and we've done it we're guilty of it too we've turned in that first draft and it's like yeah you probably should have done an outline because, like, all these notes you would have given us at an outline stage, and we could have addressed that much sooner. So, we, Alicia and I now always turn in outlines. And then we'll usually do two or three versions of an outline. We don't want to do too many versions just because eventually people, um, it's hard to give fresh notes when they've read it too many times. So, uh, but we don't go to pages until it's kind of been signed off on. And then, eventually we will bring in a full script and uh, that, that's the night where we know it's gonna go long. It's gonna, we usually go three hours every Tuesday nights, especially if it's a feature or an hour long pilot because everyone has lots of smart things to say. And so I think that's one of the reasons that it's, it's its gotten these scripts to that level is we do meet every week for three hours, just really hammering, you know, sometimes at the, at the most core level. And I know, we brought in outlines before where people are like, this fundamentally does not work at a core level. And Alicia and I are like, you're wrong. We're going to write it anyway. And then four years later, we're still trying to get that script working because it just doesn't like, we should have listened, but we're stubborn, you know, (laughs) right? So you learned
0: something,
3: right? You learned something in that journey. So. Yeah. After a Tuesday night, when we've been up, we, so I'm typing the whole time, every single note they're giving us. I will have single spaced an eight to 10 page document of notes. Um, we, and the way we break it up is, so we send out the script on a Friday and then we have writer's group Tuesday night. So that gives everyone four or five days, the weekend to read it. I think it's so important to do that. I think it's crazy. The writer's groups out there where people just bring in pages and they read and give notes on the spot. You just need to be able to sit with it. People have thoughts in the shower of how to fix something two days later. Um, So that's our system. And then when you are getting workshopped, you are not allowed to talk. Absolutely. We're not going to ask you any questions. You're not allowed to explain anything. You just sit there quietly because no one, your brain always goes to the place of trying to explain or um, there's just a natural like defensiveness we all have. And so if you truly except that you're not allowed to talk, all of that shuts down and you truly can just listen. And so you're not allowed to talk. And we do two full rounds. The first round is the macro blue skies, big notes, structure stuff, overall character stuff. And then, um, we do a second round. That second round is the micro like page notes. And then, then once everyone has had their say two times around, we open it up to discussion, and then the person getting workshopped can explain what they were trying to do, ask to help, um, they can ask questions, and it turns into very much like a writer's room where people are bouncing off of each other and in the in the moment trying to like brainstorm how you know other ideas and how to do it, and I think that this system works so much better. Than people out there that have like one or two writers that they trust and they send their script off for notes via email and they get notes back. And then they send it to another friend that they trust and they get notes. And I feel like when you do that, one, one voice can lead you astray, but a consensus of smart writers together will never lead you astray. And also so many good ideas come out of I didn't have the solve when I was reading through it, but listening to Cesar talk about that one scene gave me an idea. i sparked to what he's saying and I have this other fix. And so that discussion and all the beauty that comes out of listening to each other's ideas and sparking off of those ideas is the actual magic of a writer's group and why it's so important to truly meet up and listen to one another as opposed to just sending off via email to different friends and getting feedback one by one.
0: Which is what I do. (laughs)
3: We're going to change you today. (laughs) Which
0: No, which I have to say has worked very well for me in some situations, but has also overwhelmed me because I've sent it out to too many different people and I've gotten too many different kinds of conflicting notes. And I lost my center of the script. I've talked about this on the show, this, this script I wrote. And then I, I just, was writing, I don't know what I was writing to anymore. And then I had to peel it all the way back to my very first draft and be like, no, this is what I was doing and make, and then apply some of the bigger notes I got, like having to sift through them. Um, But I get the attraction of this person is more successful than I am. This person is smarter than I am. They must be right. And it's hard to then you lose your center. Like what you're talking about, like you don't want that person in your room because you'll be like, well, they must know something. I don't. And so then you follow them. And then that, that cons- I mean, I, I, when I was in grad school uh, that's was my experience, we formed a writer's group after it was so powerful. And then going off and writing on your own is like, help, I'm in the middle of an ocean and I'm drowning. So like anyone who throws you like a life you know, you're like, yes, you grab onto it. This is the one I'm supposed to grab onto. I have really great metaphors. So you're welcome. Um, uh, but yes, I hear what you're saying. Um, but then figuring out for me, every project is different, depending where I am. And then there, you know, I trust my manager's voice very, very much, right? He is always telling me, simplify, Lorian, simplify. <laughs> Why are you so complicated? Right? So he's, he's the one who's really helping me right now. He's that voice I can trust. But it's funny, he's not a writer. He's an amazing producer and a manager, but. Anyway, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's very powerful. Um, I do not have a writer's group though, so I don't know what to do. Like, I, what do I do, you guys? I can't join your group. I don't have one of my own. But it is interesting, as I'm about to go off to Italy, um, and I'm working with eight writers, and it's a group workshop situation, and then some one-on-ones with me, but all of what you're talking about is something I think I can immediately apply um, in terms of because every writer is at a sort of different, you know, place in their writing journey. And so I, yeah, I'll think about this and how we can approach this. So I want to talk about, you know, in when we write scripts, the uh, where we set them is so important, right? Like location, what is there around them? So like, can you guys talk a little bit about like, where do you meet and what's there? Like, do you guys drink wine while you meet in a warehouse? Like, what set us up?
2: Well, in the earliest days, um, we we met in someone's apartment. Now, I've been in Austin throughout all this. So I was just over, you know, video chat on a computer. They'd prop me up and then turn me to face whoever was talking. Um, You were ahead of your
0: time. You didn't know it. Exactly.
2: and then everyone else, you know, I think there was like a like rotated to different people's houses and depending on, it, was a different vibe at each place. Like I felt like in Nick's house, there was wine usually, right? And then the, at someone else's house, they had a dog. So it was more about like, who's getting to, to hold the dog and pet the dog and, you know, it's all about the dog. Um, but then once COVID, obviously we all went online and then a couple of people, Max and Jen in our group moved to Canada And so obviously now we're kind of fully online with me in Texas, them in Canada, everyone else in LA. Uh, But it's, I do miss the closeness because the times where I was in LA and got to go to the group to just see everyone's face across as they're giving the notes was the greatest. So I definitely miss the in-person meetings.
3: But this does remind people that you don't have to be in LA to be in a writer's group. You can be anywhere in the world and you can still make this happen with the same commitment.
0: That's well can said. you talk a little bit about that commitment and the discipline required? You guys meet every Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And the commit that's intense, especially if you're a professional writer and you're writing on other things, you have family, you know, life is complicated.
3: So how so, do you manage that? Um, one, we just have been doing it for so long on Tuesdays that you just know when you have your calendar up and someone asks you to like meet for dinner, or go to a movie it's not going to be on a Tuesday. Tuesday is writer's group night. And, um, that's just how you make your calendar. And if something really big that ha- falls on a Tuesday, um, the talk to the group, the rest of the group usually can move it to a Monday or Wednesday for that one time. Um, so just having a standing date makes it a lot easier for scheduling. Um, because everyone's coming at it from the same place. And the truth is over time, you get so thankful for the notes that you're given. Because at the end of the day, Scott, my name is on that script. The studio exec does not know that it was Max that had that really brilliant reversal idea. Uh, it was Scott and I, right? That's, that's, that's we get all the credit. Um, and so, Every single script, we can look back and be like, it never would have been this magical thing if it wasn't for these voices. And so you have, you owe them, you owe them your life and career. Quite literally, we've had wonderful things like getting repped and winning the nickel and getting jobs. And each thing feels like it's life-changing, but every single one is because of Writer's Group. So at the end of the day, Writer's Group has had the single biggest impact on us being able to make this an actual day job. And so you want to thank them by giving them notes that are that good also. And so it turns into this thing where who wants to be the like, you know, the the, the one that drops the ball and isn't bringing as much to the table. And so then it becomes a thing of like, you're, everyone is just full 100% giving to the group. And because you work with the other person's projects over months or even years, and you've rolled up your sleeves and you've been in there with them, you feel a little ownership and pride and you want those projects to go out into the world and become something. And so it really, that's where the commitment comes from is just once you're in it long enough and you've rolled up your sleeves long enough, like it all matters so much to you. And they're their careers matter so much to you and their wins feel like your wins. Um, so it really, it takes time, but that's what comes out of it, I think, naturally.
2: And I also want to add just from a selfish point of view, I get to read their scripts because they're all wonderful writers. And as you all know, 90 or more percent of the stuff that gets written never gets made, right? Right. So I get to see these like beautiful scripts. And as I'm reading them, I'm kind of watching the movie in my head. It's like watching movies from other dimensions that will never get made. And the only people that know this beautiful, hilarious, scary, whatever story are us. So it also feels like that kind of binds us in a way that we got to like experience this thing that nobody else may ever get to. And so I I think that also, at least for me, selfishly, I get to read all their stuff.
0: 90%. Is that
2: like? I know. I said 90 that I bumped it to 95, but I know it's like 99 point whatever.
0: (laughs) I'm like, 90? That's pretty generous, (laughs) considering how many scripts we've all written between us.
1: (laughs) Right. Can I quickly (laughs) ask? I mean, you guys have been staffed. Were you able to commit to group through that job?
3: We did. Um, Now we were uh, working our butts off. And so we were not putting our own stuff into the group. Um, so there was a full year where I think maybe we brought in one or two outlines of Mm. our own. Um, and we do not bring in like professional stuff. Like when we were writing on a show, we're not bringing that script to group because at the end of the day, we have what writer's group does for you in the writer's room. Right. And, and whose voice matters is our showrunner, not anyone in our writers group. So we do separate that. Um, We don't bring our professional stuff to writers group, um, but we still show up. So for a full year, we were there every Tuesday giving notes on their stuff, even though we were not bringing anything in. But again, that comes from years and years and years of the commitment and knowing that um, that they would do the same for you. and, um, And it just keeps going.
1: We usually have um, three questions we ask every guest that we would love to ask both of you as well, if you have time. Sure. So I
3: have two more points I want to make.
1: Bring it on. Bring it on.
3: Roll it. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So one is um, what you end up having happen over time is you literally just say the same notes to each other week after week. So someone will be like, hey, your act too low for your character hits in a different spot than your act too low with the plot. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew better. And then two weeks later, you're saying to someone else, hey, you're at too low. It's a... And so what it is, is writing is juggling more things than any one human can juggle. Because you've got your character arcs and your reveals and the shoe leather of the scenes and your reversals and all of this stuff. It's just too many things. It's too many things. And you're going to drop balls. And all writers group is is someone else picking up the ball and handing it back to you and you're being like, "Oh, thank you." Yeah, so just drop that ball. It's not like you made up a ball, right? There's, you just drop that ball and they hand it to you and then next week I'm going to do the exact same thing. So it gets repetitive and you're never really like learning something new, um, but it is something that you need to have or else or else there's going to be balls left on the ground. We're going to the juggling thing right now. And then the other thing is um, uh, also like a repetitive thing is how important the compliment sandwich is. And I know they always talk about this, like when you're in a, you know, college workshop or whatever, or even you start a new job and they make you go around. You got to like give each other compliments. Um, And so it's a very transparent thing. It's not some big secret. Everyone knows the compliment sandwich still do it. We're over a decade in and we still do it. We always open with what is working for us in the script. Then we get into our notes and we always end it with what we loved about the script. And that works even if nothing about the script worked for you because what you can still compliment is the um, potential. Like, oh, once you take these notes, what it's going to be. So even if you can't think of a single thing to compliment, um, there's still the potential of the script. So you know that they're complimenting, sandwiching you, you know what's happening and it still feels good. It's, it's funny op- that you call
0: it a compliment sandwich because I call it a shit sandwich. Cause you got the two compliments on one side and then the shit in the middle. <laughs> so it's the difference between like an optimist, I think, and a, Realist slash cynic, right? The shit sandwich, give me the shit sandwich. I'll eat it because there's cookies on either side of the shit sandwich, of the shit, yeah.
1: It's the writer's version of glass full, glass empty.
0: Much better, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love that.
2: Go ahead, Scott, you were gonna say something. Oh, I was gonna say, the the only other thing I wanted to mention about how just amazing the writer's group that we've been in it for so long that we will be sitting there writing a scene and then I'll just tell Alicia like, I can already hear Max's note about why this doesn't work. I could hear his voice in my head. So let's just fix it now so that we don't get the note. But yeah, we've been at this long enough and we know what each person's little like pet peeves are. We can we can solve it early before it even gets to them so that when they, they get it, they're critiquing the deeper stuff and not the more superficial level things.
3: I'll add to that. Um, I think it's really important when you bring in that first draft to have it as clean as possible without like typos and grammar problems and stuff because that's very distracting and you wanna make sure your reader is giving their full bandwidth to the actual problems you don't know was there. And so I think it's a real cop out when people are like, oh, but it's a first draft. I know, I know it's a first draft. It's like, no, no, no. You try and get it absolutely perfect um, so that they can really dig in. And I'll also add um, we, because we're doing all this over Zoom, um, we still, we never slow writers group down with talking about like grammar and typos and stuff. We'll send a draft over after that has all of those circled and marked. And, um, there's so many programs out there. Writer Duet has one scriptation. I annotate, um, Google drive. There's like a million ways to mark it up, uh, and send it over, uh, so that you're not taking away time from group because that stuff, no one else can spark and have notes on. Yeah. There's a typo, you know, they need to know, but they don't need to take time for the group to talk about it. Um, and we also, when we do the markups, I personally, I never use red when I'm typing any of that in. Cause that feels like school and like you did something wrong. So I always use like a green or a blue or a purple. That's what my daughter's fifth grade teacher does. <laughs> no red, just green.
0: I love it. So that's so great. It just sounds really, um, I think there's a beauty in the strictness, right? It's not strict for strictness. You know, it's accountability and commitment, which is discipline and so much what being a writer is. I mean, what you're describing, like the work and learning craft, like hearing those people's voices in your head, like it's craft, all those balls you're talking about. It's such a powerful. And I just remembered I am in a writer's group.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Your poor writer's it's
0: just, are, No, it's not, it's structured. It's like all like, it's never mind. We can cut this part. I can tell you what it is later when we're off air, but we can cut this part. Um, okay, we're gonna ask you the three questions. Okay, ready? What brings you the most joy when it comes to your writing or your work?
2: I think for me personally, it's when I've worked really hard at a joke and then I'm like, tell Alicia, hey, go read this scene. And I can hear the laugh. And I'm like, what, what What line? Tell me what line. I want to make sure it was the line that I thought. So if I can get her to laugh, that's that's what gets me. Uh,
3: my biggest joy is laughing at Scott's jokes.
1: I love that. Um, you flip guys side... are
3: competing to see who would come up with that first, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the flip side of that question is of course, what pisses you off about your work? Or about writing. I, I kind of like the question, what pisses you off about writing?
3: Yeah. Having to do it? It's <laughs> a good answer. Yep. Yep. Scott? Yeah. I'm
2: trying to think. Because um, I'm weird. I genuinely love most of the stuff about writing uh, that nice. Alicia hates. I know. I. I uh, <laughs> um.
3: That's it's, the secret to life. Find yeah. a co-writer that genuinely loves writing.
1: People like writing?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is, it's going to be a weird answer that makes me sound so dorky, but like, I have more ideas than I have time is, is, my, is what I hate about writing.
3: My favorite thing about Scott's techniques in writing is um, he writes his best when he is angry.
2: That is very true. Like, if I've got, like, a chip on my shoulder, or we got some bad news, like, uh, you know, career-wise, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to burn this town to the ground, I can knock out. You know, with my pages. keyboard. Yeah, yeah.
0: No problem.
2: So that is very true. Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I'm right there with you. That's why when I was writing my angry writing, and the call for the past came in, I was already angry. So it didn't matter. I just kept angry writing. Yeah. Yeah, I there's a gentler approach that people talk about, you know, write what you're curious about. And I'm like, no, I'm right with what I'm angry about. It's far, far more powerful. And then eventually I find the thing I'm curious about and the theme and, but I got to start my ad. Yeah. Anyway, I feel you on that. Okay, so if you could be remembered for one scene or movie or character that you've written, what would it be?
2: That is great question um the thing that most comes to mind off the top of my head is we wrote a for fox a reboot of license to drive of uh, the 1980s movie with the, the corys um, and it was you know set in la it was a uh, two teenage girls and Third act climax is this big, like Fast and the Furious style car race uh, with a hot dog truck. So it had a big hot dog on the top. And it was this insane action comedy. They were like throwing fries out the back. It was maybe one of my favorite things to ever write. It was just this big, dumb hot dog action chase.
0: I would like to see that movie, but only if you can get a cameo.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah, we definitely, we, we've got ideas. Got ideas.
0: Good.
3: Alicia? This is the hardest question I've ever been asked. And I might have to think about it a little bit more. Uh, But I will say this, the script that we're writing right now, also I'm a goldfish and I never remember what we wrote. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, hot dog truck. I'd forgotten. (laughs) So basically anything that was written more than two months ago, is dead to me. Um, so I guess I have to go with the project we're writing right now. And there, when we get to the end, we do our own little read through. Um, and it's Scott and I doing the different voices and it's so silly. And I would hate if anyone ever saw it play out. We got to the end and I felt all the things, like I was watching a movie, the nostalgia and the heartbreak and all of that. And it was hitting me and I would have been the one typing the, those things on the keyboard. And um, that felt really special because I felt there was like a catharsis there that um, I wasn't expecting. That's really powerful. Thank you.
1: That's kind of why we do it. That's awesome. Uh, well, to both of you, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Um, this was just so our, so generous for our listeners to be challenged. I feel like. The best episodes are when I leave feeling like really convicted and actually kind of motivated and excited to try to level up. So I feel like I really am leaving that feeling this way today. So thank you so much.
3: We'll, we'll talk yeah. writers groups anytime, anywhere. I It's always when someone asks me and they, I know that they're asking like, how do I get a manager? How do I get an agent? My answer is always like, that, set that aside. What you need is a writer's group.
1: Totally. Well, we're going to wrap the show real quick and then we can say goodbye after, but um, thank you so much to everyone for listening to TSL. If you haven't joined yet, we'd highly recommend the TSL Facebook group. It's a beautiful place to meet other writers and find additional support outside of the show. And I will say there are some groups that have formed via our Facebook group. So um, that's a great place if you're looking for other emerging writers. Um, And I think- really sharply looking for writers who are sort of at the same level you are as we've been advised today. So hop over there. And for those groups listening who are feeling a little itchy because you know you should be uh, holding each other accountable more, um, I'd encourage you that it can be done.
0: Yep. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing.
1: Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it and not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.